It is Wednesday, March 31st, 2021. Today we discuss, don't wait for it to break, some employee frustration, ownership and accountability, and a little tech news. I'm Michael Hoskins, architect and technologist, and this is the Technology Architecture Solution Engineering Show in the virtual studio. We have returning champion, Justin Snyder. How you doing? Pretty good. Uh, nice to talk again, Mike. How are you doing? Oh, always good to talk with you. Uh, yeah, doing all right. Doing all right. In the show planning, we we had some things drop in there. Um, one of the ones we wanted to bring up is uh, so largely Pittsburgh based, uh, though you know our our stuff spans the globe. But the Steel City is turning into robot world. So there's a industry week uh, article that is showing uh, the the robo clips or robo apocalypse of all these little all these companies with all these different robots and everything running all over the place. So I wanted to kind of abstract that concept because I know there's certain schools that are like pretty known for their robotics and one of them is here in in the Steel City and you know CMU has a great robotics program there's some other smaller ones so I just kind of want to like talk about that because you know we look at that there's like IoT there's data there's AI there's ML there's a lot of stuff around that so you know what are your thoughts on uh, on that uh, trend of uh, you know former Smoky City becoming the center for the robo apocalypse yeah I think I mean I think it's 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 interesting. It can be concerning. It can be exciting. It can be all of those things at once. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Pittsburgh, and I maybe this. I mean, I think a big reason is because of the school presence and the education presence that made it happen. Um, but I think Pittsburgh's actually a really good um, sort of case study or good city for this to happen in. And the reason I think that is. Like if you think about Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh is industry. Pittsburgh is manufacturing. Pittsburgh is process. Pittsburgh, very traditionally, might have been not as cutting edge, quote unquote, air quotes there. Um, but we we have industries that are very focused on process and and automated and things that are, um, I would say, low hanging fruit to automate more effectively via. Uh, robots and AI and those types of things. So I think Pittsburgh, in terms of um, it as a city and what it has to offer in terms of like being able to leverage what ends up being developed and innovated in in the city directly within the city, I think that has some benefits. I think Pittsburgh is definitely in, it, it, like I said, it, it not traditionally leading edge, but I think um, something like this can help it get in more towards a forefront in technology in general. Um, Obviously when it comes to robotics and AI, they're they're becoming more and more as that article leads to uh, a leader in that space. But I think it it, it indirectly uh, pushes technology forward in general because of, in order to support um, not only those, uh, those bots, those robots, the AI um, from a technical perspective at those companies, they also need to support the technical platforms and the technical tools that these companies that are making these things are are doing. And, and those, a lot of the time, well now, and that's kind of the point of it, are, are being headquartered in Pittsburgh. So mm-hmm. you really get exposure to, like, hey, if you're going to support 
someone that's pushing that leading edge, they're going to need the leading edge technology to do it. So there's going to be people, whether it be regionalized or whether it be outside or whatever, helping push the level of service and the level of technology in, in Pittsburgh because of it. Um, I think I, obviously you can to take, I, I mentioned like the three different things and one of them was like, it, it can be scary, but I think, uh, or at least is my take is that, it's going to happen, right? Uh, and technology is going to advance, and anything that we can do, and I think this is something that you've even you used to instill in me. Anything that we can do, a, a computer can do better, right? Yep. Um, and it's not to say that we're getting displaced as a resource or as a value resource. We're just our focus for um, finding the efficiencies, working with other people building these things, building structures and frameworks and process to support these bots just means that we can be more efficient and ultimately do more. Uh, so I know a lot of people get scared about it. And obviously in some applicable use cases, bots and AI can be, um, can be, can, can be concerning to people. But honestly, I think all of us just need to wear our, our tech hats throughout this and know that we all need to be adaptable and agile. And, and yep. that's really, it, to me, that's like the, the entire conversation around that is be agile. Um, it's good for Pittsburgh because it's it's focused on industry and ultimately it's just going to push technology in general, I think, higher in, in the city. Agreed. Agreed. Final note before we move on. This is a, for all you listening out there who wants to do something, come to this town because you can't find a harder town to navigate. You can't find uh, <laughs> a, 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 the kind of systems that you're going to have to integrate other than this city. That's why like Uber and all the self-driving people love our city because it's so complex. It's, so, a challenge. it's a challenge. Yep, for sure. Next one. Uh, and I'm going to toss this one right to you uh, since this is one of your uh, recommendations for news is the SharePoint Viva Connections. Yeah, so uh, Microsoft announced Viva at Ignite this year. Well, formally announced it at Ignite. And it's a couple different pieces, and, and really what it takes on is different components of like modern teamwork and exposing um, the technology that supports it, whether it be SharePoint Teams or what have you, um, to the end user. One thing um, that has been announced recently and as of today is actually available for people to configure is the SharePoint home app for Microsoft Teams is now officially being replaced by Viva Connection. So now, um, and to give a little bit of detail about that was, is basically if you had a SharePoint home site in in your Share Office 365 tenant, um, whether that be for internet, whether that be for any other type of thing, you could deploy that um, that site as a tab uh, deployed in your, in your Navrail and Teams. And uh, that traditionally was called the SharePoint home app. And that just modeled what the, the model was in SharePoint. But Microsoft has now stated that this is this is replacing that home app. Um, Viva Connections will be that source. Um, Viva Connections itself has a couple of different features that a SharePoint home site by itself doesn't have. It adds you another layer of left navigation. It provides a, a, a sort of a, a pane to review all news from different sites that you're a part of. It's more about like taking like Teams has always been. And <laughs> this is probably the millionth time I said this, so I'm sorry. Like the single pane of glass concept, right? <laughs> um, but I think that the initial challenge with the first iteration when it was a SharePoint homepage homepage app was that it was 
it was the home page without any navigation and slapped in teams as like chromed in with an iframe essentially. Um, and now the second iteration that is leveraging Viva connections, I think is making it a more integrated and native experience. So you can actually use that, that the internet while it's deployed in teams and essentially not have to go out to the browser to go to SharePoint. So um, I think it's a really good change. Viva in general, I think is interesting because the way you're licensing it out, parts of Viva you get for free. For example, this parts of Viva you don't get for free. Um, and it's also technically backed by SharePoint and how that whole space is leading. And a lot of things are being de- like pulled out of SharePoint and that whole different conversation. But yeah, that's um, that's a cool change. Basically, a little bit more deeper integration when it comes to um, sort of portals and intranets when displaying in Microsoft Teams. That's that's uh, definitely going to be more shift towards the positive for for the SharePoint experience, um, who has pretty close to shaking some of its reputation of the days of old. So it's good news to hear. They just had to take all its features and put them in new applications that had completely different names. And so now no, everyone's using SharePoint, but no one knows it's SharePoint, so they, they don't hate it. Exactly. They don't hear the name. <laughs> good point. Good point. Uh, so a couple things I wanted to bring up around the team space before we jump into our main topics. Um, so team supervisor mode. Uh, there's been some news articles out there. So like I know there's this, you know, supervised mode for for Microsoft EDU services where, you know, students um, when especially when they're doing one on ones, there's the ability for for people to drop in and there's the whole anti bullying and, you know, the all those good efforts that's great uh great efforts that they're having to help protect the the youth the one thing i wanted to extend beyond that is well aside from you know the challenges that go along with it which we won't touch on in this since this is just a news article we're just kind of bringing awareness of it um there's been some articles that this might be generally released out there uh to regular teams uh clients and so that's got people you know spinning in circles right now saying oh my my manager can drop in on my one one-on-one chats and interactions with my other employees. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that. That means like the enablement of that feature could be there, which could be good or could be bad. Um, depends on how the use case. If you have, you know, maybe customer service interactions and you're using the platform, obviously you need to have those those capabilities as with all call centers. Uh, though your standard knowledge worker, I know that would not fly too well. Um, and again, that really depends. You know, sometimes you have to, you know, have some some of these things turned on to ensure compliance and security. And, and those things are there. So that's that's organizational. Uh, it w- we'll touch on this probably. I think we'll have this as its own topic, um, especially when you look at some of the other um, services that are out there where people can drop in and look at what you're doing from um, security compliance and safety reasons. One other item around Teams, and I'm going to toss this one right back to you, is the uh, – communication compliance stuff so yeah so i think that ties into exactly what you're saying right um in general uh a lot of these things that are happening are to remain compliant right um whether that be through compliance through gdpr for how we handle information whether that be for socks compliance for more around financial data but a lot of these things that uh, features that are coming up in the stack are to to enable businesses to be online platforms and still be compliant with these major things that if they aren't compliant with, they get fined hundreds of thousands of dollars for. Per so minute. ultimately, <laughs> per, per incident. So 
Um, I get why they exist, and I think uh, as a technologist, knowing how they can work is really cool because, like, it's just interesting, like, interesting stuff, and there's a lot of, like, AI behind a lot of it. We were talking a little bit about AI. Um, But communication compliance, essentially what you talked about is being able to say, hey, um, I have a user in question or I have a team in question that I want to make sure um, for whatever reason is not doing things like I, I know this is actually big in the, the sled and education space. Uh, the schools have issues with bullying, online bullying, especially with teams and teams for EDU. Uh, there are situations where kids are kids. Kids are kids and kids can be very, very rude and very toxic and, and et cetera. Um, and as a as an education space, you don't want to be able to that that kind of communication, and that bullying to, to spread. Right. Can so, enable it. Can yeah, enable exactly. It. So yeah. communicate what a commu- communication compliance does is uses um, you can dis- define some terms, but it also uses um, language understanding to say, uh, look, a, a, a specified user or a specified team um, pulling pulling that group and, and, and basically managing and tracking. If, if, say, hey, a user tries to send something that um, is bullying or is uh, racy or is gory or contains sensitive information or indicates that the employee wants to leave the organization or is retaliating against someone in the organization, uh, it can basically trigger a policy and say, hey, this this does not adhere to our communication policy or what have you, and ultimately not let that user send that message. Um, now, when it comes to this lead space and the education space, like that, that's really valuable, right? Like being able to make sure that you can protect your kids and, and not and them not get bullied online through when they're trying to be in a safe environment learning, uh, especially right now and in a little bit less now in hybrid, more hybrid spaces, but at least for a while on fully online, um, it, it, it allowed for that. Um, now I think a lot of people can worry, and especially the last thing I mentioned around like retaliations in organization and, then um, basically, uh, messaging around wanting to leave the company and spread like that type of stuff. Um, I can see why people get worried about that, but ultimately when you work at a company, you sign a lot of policies and a lot of agreements that state a lot of the time that you will not do these X, Y, Z things. Um, my my recommendation is, hey, if you ever need a like a private conversation with someone, you, you it, the the tools that your company and your organization are providing to you to do your job aren't associated with that. So I agree. I think it can seem like a little concerning that there's a little bit too much supervision, but ultimately. Working in an IT organization, they have to meet compliance. They have to meet these certain audit controls to even exist in the first place. Um, and if it's things that are more private or things that you want to share, um, you shouldn't be doing it in that type of space anyways. Uh, 100% agree there. You shouldn't be doing things that are negative in nature. So, um, yeah, it's good there's stuff there and it's good there's things that you know help – organizations stay in business to keep compliance and you know stay tuned to this space um like i mentioned for the previous topic we're looking to try to try to bucket a a, a whole maybe a special or show around that because there's a lot of changes happening in this space we're going to take a quick moment to hear from our sponsor and so we'll see you on the other side shortly Hey listeners, so by now you know that while we bring you the latest and greatest tech news, tips, and trends by night, 
By day, we run the Microsoft Cloud Solutions practice within Aspirant Consulting. Aspirant is a global management and technology consulting firm that challenges the antiquated, ineffective consulting model. Unlike the bigger firms, we focus on delivering sustainable results for our clients through broad, integrated expertise. From operational process design to organizational change to app development and pretty much anything you can imagine in the cloud, our team can help yours overcome whatever challenge it's facing. So check us out at Aspirant.com, follow us on LinkedIn, or follow the link in the show notes to learn more about Aspirant and our breadth of capabilities. Aspirant Consulting. Experience teams, real results. And we're back. So um, I'd like to thank our sponsors again, as usual, for helping support the show. It helps us uh, get our messaging out to you and hopefully you find enjoyment. And if anything, a little comedy. So uh, stick with us and uh, we'll hit our main main topics here, which is going to be a limited series. So one of the things we wanted to do was uh, we get down in the weeds a lot. We, we get down in, you know, the zeros and ones quite a bit. And we wanted to kind of raise the topic up a little bit for a more general audience, not saying that you technical individuals need to turn away from this because this message is actually for you, but it includes, uh, you know, things around the general business. So we're going to have this uh, limited series around, you know, technical challenges that businesses are facing you know what are the most common things that an organization runs right into in trying to you know leverage technology and or if you are a technology company and you live in the zeros and ones what does that mean so we figured we were going to pull the topics out and you know i've been around for a long time and justin's been around for a long time we've seen a lot of different environments what's that said i've been around for some time <laughs> some time yeah and uh so we want we figured we would have uh, you know we have a guiding force in the messaging and what we've seen out there but we want to have more of a free-form conversation around this and hopes that it engages your your mind and then you can you know look down in the show notes the doobly-doo up down left right wherever you're at um <clears throat> throw us out a comment and give us your thoughts too as well so that would be helpful and you know one of those biggest areas that you know is really technically super nerdy, if you will, is, you know, waiting for change to happen. And one of the, the, the main area we have in our outline is, is like, we'll wait for it to break or don't wait for it to break. So a lot of the time, organizations don't make technical changes for a couple of reasons. And one of those reasons is budgetary. Another reason is the pain of making a change. Um, then if you stop and you look back in a lot of consultants or a lot of organizations get brought in to help organizations modernize because they've waited too long to become current and they just don't know how to get there from here. I know for a fact you see this. So oh, yeah. I'm going to pause for a minute and I'm going to put you on the meter here. 90 seconds or less. Oh, yeah. Give me some thoughts on this initial topic here. So, don't wait for it to break. I think the the at the root of that, what really plagues businesses is the the f- hyper focus on short term goals, not or being pro- over prioritized against long term growth. Um, and it, it, this is something that uh, I think everyone's heard a lot of times, but 
basically when you're waiting for something to break, you're ultimately trying to maximize your bottom line and make sure that you get the maximum value out of, out of a product before moving away from it, which in, in, in a vacuum isn't a bad idea, right? But I think what happens is that the, the longer you wait, the more you're a laggard in a given technology or in a given space. And the first thing that I always think about when thinking about that for a given client or for a given customer or for any company that I work with or work for is if you're lagging behind, that means someone is on the leading edge. And if you're in any industry and any company and you have any competitor, if you're lagging behind, it's likely that that competitor is leading from the front. And if that competitor is leading from the front, they're going to have a competitive edge of being able to do the thing that you do better. And I don't know, as a business owner, as a, a decision maker in a business, I would see that the thing that I can do most to most effectively make sure that I am leading uh, in a given industry is make sure that I'm not lagging behind in my uh, IT platforms and solutions and, and tools that I'm providing to my employees. Yeah, agreed. And the, the, there is a balance, though, you know, because we can see it like we've t- traditionally approached it on like, OK, well, let's be leading edge. Let's, you know, get to the forefront and be pioneers or blaze blaze the trails. Um it still needs to be paid for. So so there is that balance, right? And the way I look at it and the way I explain it in some talks I've given over the past few years to uh, business leadership is is we all know the the technical terms. Even if you're uh, inside of a business unit and you're responsible for just your your people and you're not technical, but you're leveraging technology, you know, one of the things when you try to get a a project put through that does have technology is what is my TCO, my total cost of ownership, right? And then there's the, the thing that's not looked at that was always looked at as soft costs are actually in this day and age, not soft costs. And those are things that amount to what we use the phrase as it's overused these days as technical debt, right? So when you think of it as that playground seesaw and on one end you got what does it cost to own in the solution and on the other end you have technical debt. Where the divergence comes from to 2021 is that think of it more like two seesaws. Some solutions will fall into that traditional one on one and one on the other. Whereas, you know, pull pull from the physics mind in solutions that are cloud based. Sometimes you're not going to incur technical debt because of something called CICD, right? Continuous improvement, continuous delivery. So when you're on a more modern platform, the, the, the fulcrum, if you will, is shortened because you don't have to have a lot of that heavy lifting to make the platform changes we had to do in the past. So that that's that's the struggle that that technologists or those who work in our in our world have with trying to convince businesses because the model in which it's paid for is different, right? So capex versus opex, you know, capital expenditures versus operational expenditures. What does that mean across the fulcrum of cost of ownership versus um, technical debt? Some some things you're willing to take on that debt. You know, for sure, if it's some legacy thing that will eventually be not a thing, do you want to keep paying to have it be a thing, even though you know it's not going to be the future of your company? You know, just kind of let it dry up and die, if you will. But that's the conversations we need to have. Um, You know, one of the things that we've seen 
a lot is SharePoint farms because they are complex. One of the reasons why we wait for things to break, not because we're technologists and we want the great latest and greatest. Sometimes we're technologists and we don't want to go through the pain that's involved in moving from one platform to another, from taking um, massive lifting of data and moving things around is not trivial. Even if it is straightforward, it is amount, it's a lot of work to do. And I, and I know, especially around like the, the SharePoint farms and things of days old, you know, I'm going to toss it back to you because, you know, on, we have cameras going, even though this is audio, I see the head nod and you want, you want to chime in on that one? Yeah, I mean, um, moving businesses, not only SharePoint, but Teams and OneDrive is, is pretty much my 100% day job. Um, and I've seen clients do it well. I've seen clients do it not well. I've seen I, I, all the difference. And I definitely agree with you. Like it is honestly, it's, it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty big uh, uh, undertaking to move any um, SharePoint, especially SharePoint on prem environment. Um, but any, even tenant to tenant migration, SharePoint online to SharePoint online or te- tenant to tenant teams of teams. It's a lot of work. Um, and it's a lot of work that's front loaded in the sense that there's a lot of planning and strategy and conversations and meetings and uh, iterations on des- design and iterations on design and a lot of a lot of effort on the front end um, that has no real realization of value until you actually get to the finish line. Depending on how you work on your product, depending if you're an agile methodology yeah, or a waterfall, how you're working, <laughs> depending on your project methodology, sure. Yep. But ultimately there's a lot of, there's a lot of strategy that goes into doing anything like this because not only from, and we're going to get into employee frustration, but not only from technical perspective, do you have to worry about making sure that everything you have continues to work and everything that doesn't work in your current system, it now works in your new system. You also got to make sure that the change that you're making is one that you not only get buy-in from your user base on, but that they're um, enabled and empowered to work more effectively in. Uh, because if you don't do that and you make a change in a system and it, the change does impact line of business or does impact um, people's day jobs, you're going to lead to user frustration, which is another one of those big reasons why uh, business and IT like IT services and, and, and IT teams can fail or IT initiatives can fail in a business is because when planning a change or planning this new move to another platform, you um, n- now it doesn't have to be malintended. It could be completely just un- unaware that this needs to be a focus, but there's a lack of focus on the impact of users and empathy for users of your platform. Uh, now that's something that I, one thing that I've really bought into is that in any, whether it be an organization, whether it be a nonprofit, profit, whether it be a group of friends or whatever, um, we're more powerful as a collective. And the more people you can get on the same, on the same, uh, focus, uh, towards a goal, the better it's going to do. Like one person cannot, like they can in a vacuum, maybe lift the world above their shoulders. But ultimately, if you want to do great things, and you want to make money and you want to have your company grow, you need the power of the collective. And 
And if you, uh, for lack of a better term, alienate your user base because you don't effectively promote a change to a new system that actually is better, then you're going to lead to a lot of user frustration, which anytime a user is frustrated and they're detracting from a change you're making, it's going to become harder and harder and harder for that change not only to be effective, but for that change to enable your organization to grow. So, curious on your thoughts. I, I know I kind of segued into the, the user frustration topic, but what are you, like? What are your thoughts on just employer frustration in general when it comes to IT? Yeah, that, that's that's a perfect perfect switch over for for today's show. Is you know the the frustration that employees uh, there's multiple vectors for the the root of that, and aside from the platform shift. <laughs> The need to be on something current and modern, we see we see the opposite of that. There's there's mirroring effects, right? So on one side of the the issue, think of it as a double sided mirror almost. Um, on one side of it is the 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 people pulling their hair out virtually because they want to be on these latest cutting edge things. On the other side of that is a subset of users, and I'm sure listeners in your organization, this is going to resonate with you. There's a, there's a subset of users that want zero change, right? They, they Change is hard. Yeah, they like things that are very routine. They like things. I mean, I can relate. I'm a very routine kind of person. Uh, but when it comes to like technology making my life easier, I'd rather deal with the pain of the change, whereas some don't like that, right? And I think a lot of the the, the pain that people feel is lack of sustained, and we have this in our notes, and this is like I made subnotes, is it's not just change management for we're going from one platform to the other. It's it's continuous change management that is actually more education at that point, right? So being being that agent of change to affect a positive result in your organization by clearly communicating and involving your user bases in the change because they have a vested interest in that starts lessening that that second topic of employee frustration. Um, you know, one of the things that when people feel like they have stake or ownership in, in a particular, especially a technological thing that's so visible, um, the more apt are they to be an advocate and help work with your technical teams to achieve that positive result um you know going that next step further is is what happens after you know we, we can put a change manage we put project management wrappers around to make sure we're technically hitting you know the the milestones and and all the benchmarks we need to get there we put a change management plan in to help communicate and get people the resources to get onto that next platform uh you know the logical step after that is the you know education and continuous education on how to, you know, make sure that people are doing the right thing by the solution and by the business in the way the solution was deployed. The the thing that sometimes is missed is is the raising, asking people to raise their hand and say, "Hey, what else can we do? What can we do better?" Yeah, and I think, and we kind of talked about this in the last topic. Cloud solutions change so much, so. You deploy, you, you make a migra- you do a migration, or you deploy something, say Office Office 365, um, ex- everything. So like Exchange Identity, SharePoint Teams, yada 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 yada. Um, those, all of those applications have an update or have a new feature now at this point, like every other week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and companies are have MR, uh, 
monthly reoccurring costs for the subscriptions of those users that have those applications and those applications are uh, updating frequently uh not only regardless of it updated frequently should you be um re-upping on education and trying to take the most advantage of the licensing that you have considering you already pay for it but because everything is changing so much you should be making sure that you expose these new functionalities these new features to to your user base so that they can feel empowered to take advantage of them you're not gonna you're not gonna it's great that microsoft does all these things but unless you take ownership as a business to communicate effectively communicate and promote these things within your tenant no one's no one's going to know. I mean, yeah. even even us, it's hard. Like we as technologists actually have to put in a fair amount of effort for us to keep up to date with all the new features and things that are coming through. I can't expect an end user and any of the clients that I work with to automatically do that. So it's like on, it's the onus of the business and also the people that work with the businesses to communicate that improvement because ultimately that growth is to enable growth in another way. So. Yeah. Hundred percent agree there, and you you hit the nail on the head for for every architect or or agent inside of an organization or a consulting company for every 40, 50, 60 hour work week they have, tack on another 10, 15, 20 hours, and that's just so you can be sharp and relevant. Yep, hundred percent. You know, one of the things that uh, around this topic too that that I wanted to kind of surface is you know we have. And you, you you hit the nail on the head with a like there's a lot out there. And so like the day job, we have we have a offering. It's called benefit realization. And that's where we actually help guide organizations to um, look at what they have and make sure that it applies to the company. And having that benefit realization offering is great because we are going there. But having that corresponding mental approach by the organization is what will make it successful. Not just like, oh, come tell me what it's here. And yeah. Like sitting like like the old days, like sitting on the throne, like wait for the jester to come up and say, "Hey, look at this! I can, you can juggle the balls that way now." You know that's not that's not what we mean by just saying, "Hey, know what's out there." It's know what's out there and how it applies, and that mm-hmm. takes time and effort. Um, and a lot of organizations don't have that internally, and a lot of organizations look outside. Some do, some some rather large organizations has IT departments that just do those kind of things, and you know. When you look at an organization that has an innovative team or innovation team, um, a lot of the times they're looking at, like, how can we do this to monetize that? Uh, and, it, and they often miss the, we have this, and how can we be better at using the stuff we're already paying for? So that those things, when you give it back to the company – Frustration definitely comes down. And one of the other things that, you know, from an employee frustration perspective, and and this is the last bit I have to add, unless you have other things to add to it, is that um, giving people the understanding of the expectation. And I'm, I'm a full believer of you declare what needs to be done, and you also declare how you're going to do it. And you declare the method in which you need people to interface with it. And then you declare, you know, you're setting that expectation, you know, definitively. And obviously it can change because the world spins. So things change. But, you know, putting out clear expectations of what the the limitations are for a platform or how they're intended to be used 
helps, especially when you have competing like services. Because if you just leave it to the end user, they're they're going to find what's easiest for them, and that's what they're going to do. And then you're going to find competing ways of doing things amongst your organization, which then creates factions, which then creates you know. Murmur. And then when you migrate, have to migrate that years down the road to a different tenant, you're going to have a bad time. Exactly. (laughs) Be proactive. Exactly. Exactly. In order to do that, you know, there's there's things you need to do, though. And and this is our last topic is like ownership and accountability. Like there's there's a lot of a lot of ownership and accountability across the whole of the stack, right? It goes from everything from the end user and what their expectations are and what they should be doing, how they should be doing it. They need to, they need to be accountable in order to hold them accountable. This is like talking across the, the, the three topics today. You have to educate them, give them the tools, give them the expectation. Then we take that next step in is like, Oh, how are we delivering this solution to the employee? So there's, there's a little bit of accountability there and, you need to have someone step up who owns these solutions and, you know, clear from where it is in the back end all the way to the end user. Someone needs to own the app or own the solution. That is a challenge, especially when you have organizations that are rather large and solutions fall not to IT. IT is a supporting faction, or you have a, a large or medium organization that has unique one-offs, like maybe a department that needs a specific type of delivery mechanism of media files to someone on on the other end of the globe. They just are relying on these solutions, but they don't want to own it end to end, making sure it's current, making sure it's doing its thing, integrating with, with across the organization having that stakeholder mentality of let's bring everybody together to the table to say, okay, here's my part of this for your solution. And someone's standing up saying, this is my solution and this is what's best for the company. Yeah. I, so with this one, I I take like a very, I would say tech agnostic perspective uh, in the sense that when I when I, and I think when it comes down to ownership and accountability, what you what a business really needs is someone to own the solution. But when I say solution, I don't necessarily mean an application. What I mean is, as a business, the solution you are providing to either your internal users or B two B or a, a third party or or what have you. And that solution ultimately is guided by governance and principles that are defined at a business level. Like what it, what actually is the business need? And then at that point, you you need someone to own, not for example, SharePoint, but you need someone to own that framework, that model, that process, that that um salute that applic like the the service or whatever it is you need someone to own and govern that and have accountability for that success so that they can help effectively help technologists that are working within the organization build a platform and an actual technical solution in terms of an actual application the most effective uh because if if you build if you start techno if you start application first and you don't start is a solution first when you take the technical debt like concept as a, 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 a as a an idea uh 
and you don't have ownership of what you're actually providing from a business level, when you want to migrate to a new solution, you have to re-arch- you have to refigure that all out every single time. And that adds up and, and ending up being a lot more time. You don't have ownership of the process you as as technologists, whether it be internal or whether it be through a consulting company or whether it be wherever, they don't they can't get a really good understanding because there isn't ownership of what the business goals and what the business driver and what the business functionality really is. So for me, it's it's really about and we talk about governance plans at many different layers when uh, when I'm talking about solutions, applications, or what have you. But when it comes to something that you're going to provide to your employees or to a, to users, there needs to be a, a pl- ownership and accountability detailed in the governance plan that says, okay, this is. This is what we're providing. This is our service definition. These are the people that we work with. These are the people that we sell to. These these are the capabilities of the service. These are the um, these are the 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 ways that we go to. If it's say it's an actual like consulting service, these are the way we go to market with this service. Like there's the things that you need to define, and you need to have someone responsible for defining, so that no matter where you your business leads in years to come, whether it be in terms of purpose or technology or application, you have a, a basically a North Star for what you, your users, or your employees need. Yeah, I agree with that. The one, the one other area that, you know, around this topic um, is some of the, the topics we talked about employee frustration. So, you know, when someone doesn't, doesn't own the solution to make sure that it's, you know, maintained or current or even still applicable in the current business model that you have, you know, the, the, the risk of making a change is great. And people are fearful of, you know, getting that black eye, that corporate black eye for saying, Hey, let's do this. And I'm going to own it. I'm going to, you know, strap on the waders and go in deep, you know, because of the risk that can come along with a platform change. We know that some organizations have had platform changes and it's been a resume generating event because it's not either gone off well or it's been not well thought out or, you know, that's a whole different issue. That's a whole different, that's a show to itself. And so people are fearful to like put themselves out there when the reality is, is if you're, if you, if you follow the, a sound approach, even if the, the migration or, or modernization or even just making sure that that solution is doing what it needs to, which may add extra cycles to your workday, um, don't be fearful of that. If anything, if you if you look, one of the things from an organization, people rise in an organization because they're willing to take ownership. They're willing to say, you know what, this is something that is mine or something I think that our team should own. We're going to grab it. We're going to grab that stick and we're going to run forward with that flag, run forward with it to the front of the line and you wave it at the top of the hill because we've achieved a greatness for our company. Um, so aside from the fear, opposite of the fear side is the you know, the promotion side, you know, when I, I don't mean promotion as you do a project, you're going to immediately get a promotion. It's obviously not going to happen. Well, it may depending on the side of the project. Uh, but the promotion of your, your brand, your personal brand internally in that organization is someone making a difference, someone owning uh, a solution and owning up to it into that organization that is valued. Yeah. I, the only thing I would add to that kind of uh, aligning with what you said is, is taking a, a page out of Satya's book and it's just fail as fast as you can. Like honestly, the the quicker you fail, the quicker you find out the things that you can learn to make it better, and ultimately, like in, 
growth mindset, right? Like, how can you like ultimately go after what you want if if you you feel confident in a certain direction or a certain thing, um, and you take ownership of that and you push it forward, uh, you're you're gonna mess up, you're gonna fail. That happens, but ultimately that's that's a learning opportunity, and that that's a growth opportunity, and that growth opportunity can turn into making that solution, that application, that uh, that process better in the long run. Uh, and that's really what it comes down to is being, being okay with failing and being okay with, okay, yeah, we failed and this is why it's wrong. And, but now it's very clear how we can make it better. Um, and I think that that's something that I think more and more companies are getting better at. I think very traditionally, uh, corporate mindset was, uh, if you fail, you're out. Um, but I think a lot of businesses are more and more realizing that in order to get to, more proper solutions you have to accept that there's going to be bumps along the way yeah and in the mindset too of like when when somebody i don't want to use the phrase tritely but puts their neck out and you know puts their career on the line or even something simple as just takes the ownership for something that is could be dicey you know organization you'll find that the fail part isn't like this epic fail and you're out in your ear and you're not working the, the fail part is is the project didn't go off the way you wanted it to or that migration didn't ha- happen and we have to revisit it but if an organization recognizes that and we see this more and more these days is they put the, the safety net around them you know they're enlisting people to come in instead of like paying you know seven figures to do a platform shift they're paying you know a fraction of a fraction of that to have somebody like be their assistance to come in and say hey this is this is good this is what you know this is what we know to help you be successful um, that's that's one part of a safety net another part of a safety net is is you know forming others to help support that person's efforts and you know because it's not just they're owning it and it's the accountability part right they're like taking it and they're owning it um you know one of the things uh, listeners you know as we close down these topics i want you to do is like look internally at all the systems you have and see if you can you know mentally or even physically right or on spurn up a Excel workbook and write all your systems down and then write the department who's responsible for it next to it. Then write the name of the person inside that department who's responsible for that application. And if it says IT all the way from top to bottom, you might be doing it wrong. I'm not saying you are, you might be, because I don't know how your organization is. Um, a lot of the times, like we mentioned earlier, you know, systems are owned sometimes by business units, some by departments, however you call out your your fact fractions in your in your company. Uh, somebody on the business side should have some kind of connection to that to that solution. So that's a good exercise to do around this. Um, another takeaway uh, for our number two topic from an employee uh, frustration mentally think or even write it out if it's helpful for to helpful to you find out is do i have any ongoing initiative it and if i do what does that change management plan look like and also how am we going to continue to keep this solution relevant and how do you do that is with regular communication and education around the platform refreshers lunch and learns do you have stuff around a lot of those a lot of those projects and then rolling back to our number one uh topic for technology problems in businesses uh, or technology issues in businesses is don't wait for it to break. Is there a reason why you're sitting on top of that age system? Is it just because it's too painful to move, too costly, or are we, it's working, so we're not going to do anything with it. Let's just like kid glove carrot. So put the white gloves on and 
pet it when you need to and you know, give it his bowl of water and food and just make sure it's nice and humming along. Um, and think critically, roll up your sleeve, sharpen your pencil, think critically is like, is there a better way to do this? And, and look at how long you're spending to care and feed for that age system and what kind of challenges comes along with it. And is it worth maybe moving to something a little more modern? So think that through. That's that's my takeaway to, to your listeners to have in the back of your mind for this section. Again, this is going to be a, a little small series, and we're going to have Justin back to hit some more topics up that we have listed down. I'm looking forward to engaging uh, with the world on this, so feel free to try to reach back out to us to you know have some communications around it. On that note, any final words, Justin, for today? No, nothing, nothing else for me. I think, uh, obviously, businesses... Uh, their ultimate goal is to do the best they can, right? Um, and being aware of a lot of these challenges, the ones that we mentioned and the ones that we'll get to talk to in, in future um, future podcasts and future calls, I think is a great opportunity. And um, ultimately, um, everyone deals with these types of things. So it's just helping um, provide our perspectives and provide our insight of how that really ties into us as technologists helping enable that. Um, I think we all can do better about um making change and uh, making things happen in business. So again, thanks. Thanks for having me on. And, and, and thanks for everyone for listening. Our pleasure. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Uh, thank you, listener audience. And again, look in the show notes for notes from our sponsor. Uh, maybe some things we talked about today we'll put inside the show notes uh, to have you think a little bit further on that. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Today's show is brought to you by Aspirant. You aspire, together we achieve. This production is for information and entertainment purposes only. Not all technologies and items discussed are compatible with your system or specific configuration. Your knowledge may vary. Consult a professional before trying anything discussed on this show. Visit show notes for relevant information and links. That same person, I, I told him how it's like so unique here that we're the only town I know of that can set a steel bridge on fire, steel and concrete bridge on fire. <laughs> <laughs> we did have, we have had a lot of industrial, like for an industrial city, we've had a lot of industrial mishaps. In the <laughs> we have, we have. <laughs>